Our sponsor this week is Chiselwicks, your friendly local poisoner's guild. We have a wide range of lethal toxins and venoms from creatures as varied as snakes, spiders, serpents, atacops, basilisks, giant scorpions, wyverns, etacaps, medusas, assassin bugs, green dragons, and even ghouls, ghast demons, and venomous mummies. All items sold for entertainment purposes only. Chiselwicks accepts no liability for any accidental murderings. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPGs Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I, as always, am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ has ever. It's a complete pleasure to be here. But wait, we have another person here. We um, do. Yes, uh, Russ. Would you? I hear something. I hear something. There's a. There's a. There's a whisper. Yeah. There's, a, there's a whisper in the dark. I, Who could it be? I'm it's hearing sort of vague, vague fluting noises. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so incoherent. What could it be? <laughs> Let's turn the lights on and find out who it is. It's the it's the incoate, it's the in, it's the eldritch, it's the inherently horrible Matt Corley. Hello, hello, how are you all? Oh, hello, hello. Yes. Russ, you really should introduce Matt for listeners who for some reason or another might have missed his first appearance on the podcast. Well, this 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 is not Matt's first appearance on the podcast because it Matt, is. as I recall, and as I'm sure you also recall. Yes. Uh, you were you, you you were with us a few uh, was it two or three months ago talking yeah. about Harper's Tale. I was, yes. I was. How's how's that going, by the way? So we ended with the uh, the Indiegogo campaign raising twenty two thousand dollars towards yeah. the production of the book. So we are on schedule still to be completed um, and have PODs and PDFs in the hands of all the backers um, nice. in late spring. So we're looking at May. I want to try to get it by May. First, which is a pretty important date um, to get that out. And um, yeah, so we have 166 really nice books that I'm going to be handing to friends of kids with cancer. Wow. Um, and a cash donation. Right now, I'm at about $8,000 handing or holding back a little bit to make sure that we pay all the publishing costs and whatnot, mm. and then hand them the rest of that. And then also any books that we sell from the backer campaign. Um mm. Because I think they want to sell a handful of those books because they don't think they're going to need them. We'll also go straight to the campaign. So I feel pretty good saying that we're going to be probably their largest non-event crowdfunding campaign or a wow. fundraiser <laughs> fundraiser yeah. Um, yeah. that they've ever had. And I have a, a follow-up event that I'm doing for a different organization that we can talk about at some other time. Cool. Along the you same to, lines. You have to come really? back on. Heck yeah, yeah I love oh, coming on. Another another excuse to track you yeah. screaming and kicking onto our podcast. <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know, only five calls and emails and like, yeah, please, please let me on. Uh, I would describe it as a non-event Kickstarter, a non-dramatic Kickstarter. Well, I guess oh, it was oh, it was not it was not an event that folks buy tickets to and go see. That's, that's what I mean. True. That's how I mean. That's how they uh, that's how they no, discuss it. Yes. It was quite definitely an event. Right, shall Absolutely. we jump into some RPG news, and then after that we will talk all about your your upcoming book, Whispers in the Dark, which is, okay. I think, basically Call of Cthulhu powered by the D&D 5th edition rule set. That's Very much. Make Pr- pretty yeah. accurate, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Let's, let's do some news. Right. Uh, I, I assume you, um, you're both aware of what the big, big, big D&D news was in the last week. It's kind of hard to miss. 
D&D news. There was uh, news. Is there a book <laughs> coming out? <laughs> so, so, so it was quite funny because uh, they were originally supposed to be announcing it last week. Yes. And then we recorded our podcast last week and we had yes. to sadly report that they delayed the announcement until Monday. It's not personal against you, Russ. It's totally personal against <laughs> Our podcast went totally. out on the Saturday. Then later that day on the Saturday, Amazon yep. accidentally leaked the title of this new book. The following day, the following day, Barnes and Noble separately leaked not the title but the cover of the book. <laughs> but they didn't have the description. But if you took if you took the two entries together, you got the whole thing. Yeah. And then on then on Monday, of course, um, Wizards of the Coast made their official announcement. Yeah. But by then, everybody already knew about it. So yeah. um, what we have here is a brand new hardcover book. Yes. Uh, based on the critical role campaign setting, which they which they used in the second season, I'm told of the critical role show, uh, <laughs> written by Matt Mercer and some folks at the uh, Wizards of the Coast, yes. and it's called the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, and it details that there's, there's been a critical role campaign setting book before, yes. Yes. which was published by uh, Green Ronin about. Tandore, four years. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah. Uh, which has now vanished from their website. You can't buy it anymore. Oh, oh, really? Oh, so wow. I'm not sure what the also, licensing situation hmm. is with all of this. I don't know how. I don't know how all of that works. Exciting. Yeah. That's so if you want one it. of those, if you want one of those. Check and see if your local game store still has one, because I don't think you can buy a new copy anymore. No, no. I bet you're right. But why would you want to? We've got a new and shiny one, officially endorsed. Taldoray yeah. has entered the same halls as the Forgotten Realms. It has yeah. moved yeah. to the coast. It has moved to the coast of wizards. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So what, what what this is? Um, so I I'm not I wasn't originally familiar with the, with the setting. So Wildmount, um, it says it's uh, it's got real world Eastern European influences. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Dwendalian Empire takes inspiration from 15th century Russia as well as Germanic nations in Central Europe, like Prussia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zorhas has a more 13th century Romanian flair. And yeah. outside of Wynandir, on the edges of the Dwendalian Empire, the cultures and peoples of those re- regions display a distinctly 14th century Spanish flavour. exciting. Mm. Wow. That's quite yeah. the range. It is, it is, yeah. it is. I, I'd have to go with the 14th, Spanish, 14th century Spanish guys, because more is always, always less. Silence. Tumbleweed. <laughs> it's okay. You don't have to understand my, you don't have to understand my jokes. <laughs> so, uh, Wildmount is the setting for Campaign 2 of Critical Role, and it contains uh, new character options, uh, something called a Heroic Chronicle uh, System. I don't know what that is, but it helps you craft your character's backstory. I wonder if that's something like a life path system or something like that. I don't know. Uh, it's probably something quite similar to Xanathar's Guide, where it just lists what you've been up to and what you've been about and so forth. Yeah, I guess, I guess. Uh, it's also got four starting adventures. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, that's, that's, that's quite a lot. And that now makes it, what's that now, the, the fifth setting? Uh, Ravnica, Forgotten Realms, Ravenloft. Ravenloft, Eberron. And Eberron. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Five campaign settings. They'll be catching yes. up with TSR at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> by the year 2060 maybe <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah what was quite funny when when Amazon leaked leaked that entry by mistake 
Because yes. <laughs> you, you remember before it said, um, what was it? It said some uh, unnamed D&D title oh, oh. announcement coming. And that was the title of the entry on Amazon. Yes. Then Amazon updated it to the correct title with the description yes. too early. But yes. the book immediately jumped before it had been announced. People still yep. pre-ordered it because the pre-order button was still there. So still not uh-huh. really knowing anything about it. Enough yep. people pre-ordered it that it jumped to number 15 not just in D&D books, not just in RPGs, not just right. in fantasy, but in all books on Amazon. It jumped right. to number 15 by pre-orders before it was right. even announced. Like people pre-ordering this book, not really knowing anything about it. Like, contains D&D, must be good. Wow. Yeah, well, by, by uh, Monday, it hit number three. Uh-huh. And by Tuesday, it went up to number one in all books on Amazon. The best-selling book out of every book in the entire world on Amazon. That is nice. remarkable. It's incredible. Yeah. Well, clearly, clearly hitting it there with the heavyweights. Well, I mean, yeah. Critical Role is such a heavy. I mean, what what did they what did they Kickstarter for the animated series raise? Like eleven million, something like that. Oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, something like that. And then yeah. they got picked up, obviously, by Amazon. For, yeah, for, uh, yeah, for two series. Yeah. For t- two seasons of their show. Right. Uh, you know, yeah, they have such a um, dedicated and loyal fan base. Yeah. That, oh, you know, like, you know, when if, if they say buy it, they all buy it. You know, yeah. I mean, it's... And, you and know, Wizard of the Coast has great. indicated that more than 50% of new player acquisitions come in mm-hmm. via live-streamed games as well. Yeah. As we found out last week, there are a lot of live stream games out yeah. there. Yeah, I'm are. starting to I'm starting to think that Critical Role is as big a brand name as D and D. Oh, interesting. Uh, you know what? I'm not sure that you're not right. Actually, I think they certainly have a more loyal fan base. You know, mm. I mean, like the, you know, if Matt Mercer says something or endorses something, um, and yeah. Laura I mean, Travis, doesn't... all the other ones. You know what? I think a, a tweet from Matt Mercer goes further than I think a mm-hmm. tweet from Chris. Yeah, I mean, actually, it hasn't got the household name recognition that D and D has. Like right. if, I said, if I said D and D to my dad, he roughly know what I'm talking about. If I said Critical Role, he wouldn't have a clue. But within within the industry or within the hobby, right, within the confines of the hobby, I would say it's uh, if it's if it's not rivaling D and D, it's coming, it's, it's getting up there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you seen the little bits and pieces about the uh, new school of magic that they're introducing? Oh, chronomancy or something. Uh, du- well, it's called it's, du- it's called dunomancy, but hmm. basically it's chronomancy. Um, yeah, it's, t- yeah. it's time and space and dimensions and stuff like that. Hmm. And oh. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's a video you can watch which I haven't actually watched yet, so I don't know an awful lot about it. But I think it it comes in the form of three subclasses: right. a fight a fighter one, which is able to Echo call on or alter- something. Uh, something like that Echo <laughs> yeah. Night, yeah. And, and it can call on alternate versions of yourself hmm. from different realities yeah. to come and fight with you as an ally which is quite fun it's yeah. like ah I'm an Echo Knight yeah. the guy behind you is also me and is also an Echo Knight there's another one that's basically Time Lords which I think was a wizard sure. I think if I recall correctly basically they can stop time and manipulate time yeah. and stuff like that and there was a third one who's, who I'm forgetting offhand what it was, was it a warlock? Is it a warlock? Oh, I sure. Honestly, I can't remember. Because this, this is also, this is funny because this is, I wrote Combat Divination for Cobalt Press last year mm. and it's been out for about six months. And the entire premise of it is that you do spells that are all reactions and bonus actions. Yeah. Um, 
to alter the course of time within combat to mm. get an advantage. So there's a there's a prescient like you know the eldritch knight which isn't super popular. So I you know I designed a prescient knight. Yeah. Which is, again, a knight that can use, or a fighter class, and mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. We have a Sybil that's a warlock mm-hmm. class, so again, it's kind of a similar similar concept. I'm sure they did their own spin to it, but yeah, that's kind of yeah, interesting. Because yeah. there's a huge fun. A lot of people want to really do something more interesting mm-hmm. with their reactions, bonus actions, time, and that yes. kind of stuff. Um, and there's not a lot there at the lower levels at all. Yeah, and this yeah. is Cobalt Press, and what did you say? Cobalt Press, yeah. Cobalt Press, I wrote it, uh, Combat Divination. That it's is like, a very strong name. I'm, I'm, I'm already sort of. I'm about ninety percent signed up just in the name alone. It's like so. three bucks. I mean, it's not <laughs> maybe four no. on drive through. Yeah, if you go to cobaltpress.com, I think it's like three bucks. It's a PDF yeah. only. It was a lot of fun. It's very yeah, fair amount of extra stuff. Yeah, three or four classes, half a dozen or a dozen spells. I think I wrote it about a year ago, so I'm a little fuzzy on my details. Remember. I can't remember what I wrote yesterday. So <laughs> you're not the only one. It was a long time ago. I slept it. No, but that's hit my price point as well. So yeah, I'll I'll probably pick that up. Uh, Great, sounds good. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, right, let's stick with D and D for the moment because there's yes. another unearthed arcana. Yes, and this one has four subclasses: a barbarian one called Path of the Beast, a monk one called Way of Mercy, a paladin one called Oath of the Watchers, mm-hmm. and a warlock one called Noble Genie. Have you had a look at this? Um, I haven't seen it. No. Oh, I okay. haven't had a chance I, yet. Uh, I'm, I basically, uh, I don't like a lot of the Unearthed Arcana stuff because often it's not very interesting. It's got to have a really strong theme for it, and I don't think anything grabbed me about this. Mm. The class features, one they did, like, I don't know, two months ago, loved that. That was amazing. That's yeah. a lot of problems for me, especially for rangers. Yeah, but uh, this other stuff, it's like, yeah, it's all right. I mean, uh, did you want to have a quick look at it now? Um, uh, let's okay. let me call it up. Okay, so what we got? We got the the path of the beast, which is a yeah. a, a sort of primal barbarian path. Um, mm-hmm. It says the beast howls to be released and bursts forth in throes of rage. Um, they might be inhabited by a primal spirit or descended from shapeshifters. Uh, and so then you have to roll d4 to work out your origin like was one of your parents a lycanthrope or were you descended from a legendary druid or, or whatever Ooh, okay. and, then you, and then you call a path of the beast feature where you uh, enter your rage and you transform to reveal the uh, beast like power within you so you could bite mm-hmm. or have claws or have a tail or whatever mm-hmm. and then as you get as, as you go up in level you gain swimming speeds or climbing speeds or all this sort of stuff Mm-hmm. Uh, so, look, so there was the the monk, uh, the which way of was mercy the monk. way of mercy. You manipulate oh. the life force of others to bring aid to those in need. They're wandering physicians to the poor and hurt. I love Ooh. a good monk, and everybody needs That's a good uh, kind of a, an unusual healer. You know, mm. like the yeah. the warlock healers or the um, sorcery healers. Those are always fun. This yeah. one's interesting I, because you it's have to the karate roll... chop of healing. I'm like, what is this? Why are people doing this? Oh, I don't understand. And now this I understand. Fu- so, this is fun. You 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 wear a mask and you determine yes. it randomly by rolling on this table. You roll a d6 and you might get like a butterfly or a laughing visage or a blank and white, blank and white or, wha- or black and white. I'm not sure. What. Black. I guess blank. It says and black white and white. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. It might okay. be a typo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that, that's, the, that's the monk one. Uh, then we got the Oath of the Watchers, 
Yeah. Uh, paladins who uh, want to protect the mortal realm from predations of extraplanar creatures. Uh, Sounds like the sort of thing a paladin would do, I guess. They, it's, it's pretty much what I expect. I from they, do, they do anyway, really. Isn't it? Right. Yeah, it's like, uh, but these are specialists in the field. I guess so. Or they so. get such amazing spells as Alarm and Chromatic Orb. Yeah, why not? Well, yeah, I mean, it's all right, but. Why would you learn Chromatic Orb? It's not a good spell. Uh, <laughs> it's, well, it, but it's got, it needs a really expensive material focus. And Alarm is useful, but yeah. Or Green Moonbeam, yeah. Mm. And then, yeah, it's alright. Oh, there's a Warlock. <laughs> and there's Warlock, the Noble Genie. Yeah, now we're talking. Yeah. Um, so with this one, um, yeah, uh, you make a pact with one of the rarest of genie kind, a noble genies. These are varied in their motivations, motivations, but they're all arrogant collectors of tr- creatures, knowledge, and treasure. So I'm just trying to look around at my microphone because I stupidly placed it in front of the screen. <laughs> 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 Which wasn't the uh, cleverest thing I ever did. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I find this is really interesting, actually, as an unearthed arcana, because what they've actually brought in is they've brought in backgrounds, which is a bit unusual. I don't think they normally do that, do they? I don't know. So if you change your mind now, do you now like it? No. No. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, uh, I, I'm not seeing anything right now which I'm like going, oh, that's so stupidly broken. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, interesting. Hmm. I this is... I, maybe, maybe I could have done this Path the Beast back a couple of months ago. I was playing a yeah. shifter. A shifter barbarian, so I could just really double down on my bestialness. I played a shifter not that long ago. Oh, yes, I did, yeah. I did. It was great fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is called Subclasses Part 1, by the way, so I assume there's a follow up in a week or two. Mm. Well, I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, right, well, that's, that's that done. There's also a, a last little bit of D&D news, which is, you know those cards and map and dice from the, um, um, what was it called again? Oh, uh, La- Gale Force 9. La- no, no, they're all Silver Hands Explorers kit. Oh, yes, yes, yes. So I've gotten yes, hold of which... a list of the cards. Yeah. Oh, okay. Right, so uh, there's 20 of them. Yeah. And they're divided into locations, NPCs, and factions. Mm-hmm. So location-wise, we've got Baldur's Gate, Candlekeep, Icewind Dale, Neverwinter, Port, and Yanzaru, and yes. Waterdeep. Yep. And each of these, you get a nice piece of art on the front, and then you get like the fluff on the back. Like mm-hmm. okay. details about it. And we've got a bunch of uh, a bunch of NPCs. We've got um, I don't I'm gonna have to pronounce some names now. Oh. Please, please forgive me. <laughs> we shall judge you, judge you harder. Uh, there's only one apostrophe in all of this, I'm pleased to say, but we'll, yeah. we'll give it a go. <laughs> Are there any we've, vowels? <laughs> we've, got, vowels we've got Dagolt Neverember. Okay. We've got that old favourite Drizdowurden. There's our one apostrophe. We've got Durnan. We've got Grand Duke Older Ravenguard. We've got yeah. Jarlaxle Bainra. We've got Halasta Blackcloak. Level yeah. Silverhand, Mert the Moneylender, Vajra Safar, and Xanathar. Yes, so drow beholders are well represented. Yeah. As are elves in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finally, three factions Colts of the Dead Three, Harpers, and the Zentarim. Oh, yes. Very nice. Good luck, good scent now and then. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I still think that it still makes me crazy that the Zent aren't bad. Per se anymore. Yeah. I still, like, I, I guess I read all those books back in, what was that, like the 90s? Yeah. <laughs> when those were out. Um, 
And to me, the Zent are awful. Like, they're just the meanest, terriblest, most evil, you know, Bane. Yeah, basically. Bane, like, before mm-hmm. Sarek the Dark and whatever mm-hmm. he is now. Um, it's kind of, so every it's kind time of like I see Star that, it's Wars, like... Suddenly deciding the Sith are the good guys. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, they're not... Yeah, exactly. That's that's very you much it. You're Stormtrooper, but it's okay. You're legit now. <laughs> <laughs> the PR campaign worked, um, yeah. and it's all good. Look, my armor is shiny and white. Why don't you like me? <laughs> yeah, um, it, I think it starts off with uh, it must be Tyranny of Dragons, where they just said, "Yep, you now have factions." And uh, I thought they stopped trying to make factions be a thing because they seem to have really taken it out of the Adventures League stuff. I don't really recall it being in they the lead, Centrals. They lead into it with acquisitions incorporated, I think, didn't they? Mm. I'm, I'm trying to think back now. I seem but to that's have not a... forgotten realms. I thought, or is it? I think it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Forgot, forgotten okay. realms with a with a with a comedy veneer over the top. Hmm. Mm. Well, yeah, plenty arcade. Uh, yeah, but no, I haven't seen. Yeah. Okay. Well, fair enough. Could be wrong, but certainly in terms of Ventures League, they just really de-emphasized factions as a. As yeah, a I think that's that's what mm. I felt too. But I'm not a big Adventure League person anymore. It's been a while since I've played much of it. That's mm. uh, all part all part of the outreach that we do. So we try to get people to come and play <laughs> games. <laughs> And since we know that D&D will draw people in the door, that's what we run. Yep. yep. And they hey. are quite exciting modules. Anyway, sorry. Yes. Russ. Guess what? There's a, there's a new Pathfinder video game coming. Oh, exciting. It's just called yeah. Wrath of the Righteous. Yeah, so a Wrath of the Righteous was an adventure path that was originally published in 2013. Mm. And there was this thing called the World Wound, which like tore reality mm. apart. Mm. Right. And then a whole bunch of demons poured through into Galarian. And then it's all about uh, nations banding together and fighting and driving them back. So it's a big kind of war type affair. Okay. Uh, class- classic demons. Yeah. And, yeah. and in, in no way at all like the plot of Warcraft. Uh, I don't know. Do I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt, Matt was just laughing at me because he's he's played Warcraft so that's what I'm talking about yeah. which is about I don't know, a massive tear in the world and demons pouring through <laughs> to, be, yeah. to be fair it doesn't sound like that would have been original then either it's an old story from uh, how yeah. have you heard that same old story Gap appears in world orcs come through have fight yeah. wait for demons to arrive just classic really yeah well this game apparently has you recruiting armies and fighting demon hordes so it might have a a bit of a wargaming element to it i don't know Hmm. that'd be a bit of total war uh eight uh, was it age of lost omens i don't know i I mean they're using kickstarter again to fund this Mm -hmm. and they're launching that on tuesday february the 4th Hmm. and they said and they haven't said whether they're using Pathfinder 1 or Pathfinder 2 rules, but the Kingmaker thing was Pathfinder 1. Yes. Right. And that wasn't that long ago, was it? Was that? No. Was that this year? Last year? Oh. It's, year it was before, like, I think. Yeah, it funded a yeah. couple years ago, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it came out in 2018. Right. Because we've had it for a long time, I haven't yeah. played it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've played, I've played about a third of it, I think, now. Yeah. But, but not that much. Well, anyway, um, we'll find out more, I guess, in February when it, when they launch the Kickstarter. And I'm sure the Kickstarter will do really, really well. Yes. Yep. I hope so. But get this for a segue. Talking of Kickstarters doing really, really well. Yes. That was smooth, wasn't it? Where I stepped from one topic to another. The Hero Forge custom colour mini Kickstarter. That thing went crazy. Yeah. Fast. It launched... Mm-hmm. 
Um, so this is where they're printing the models in, in different colour plastics. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. How exciting. Well, it is currently, at the moment, on... Oh, this is mm-hmm. insane. I just looked at it just now. It's even higher than it was last time I had it. And I just looked at it and it's going up as I yeah, watch yeah. it. Uh, yeah. It's just gone over one and a half million dollars with a month left to go. <laughs> 18,000 backers. Yeah. yeah. Nice. I'm looking at I pulled it up too. I looked at it about 20 minutes out and it was at like 300,000 or 400,000. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> like, holy cow. People people want this thing. Because I looked back at their previous Kickstarters and none of their Kickstarters have done nearly anything like this. This is mm. their big, big, big breakout Kickstarter. But then again, if you, you know, look at the prices. Right? the models without having to paint them. The, yeah. Well, the top, the top <laughs> level is $10,000 for 250 color models. And That's people insane. have backed that. I'm scrolling down like, holy cow. <laughs> Ten grand. Wow. wow. So Ten grand get, for 250 models. Yeah, you, you can get one for $39. And there's various stages. So two for 75, six for 219. But it goes all the way up to $10,000 for 250 full color custom. Because I presume you've got to design each of those yourself as well. Right. Well, yeah. But that would be loads of fun. Yeah. I don't know. I think yeah. after about um, the sixth, I'd get a bit bored. To be honest, I couldn't. I couldn't do two hundred and fifty. Ten thousand divided by I'm, I'm, yeah. So forty dollars per model. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But that's so that's that's a hand painted one though, right? Is it forty bucks for? No, that's the color no. printed. Yeah, one. they do. The they hand, do more expensive. Hand the hand painted yeah. ones are like a hundred dollars or one hundred fifty dollars yeah. a piece. Okay. Well, yeah, but then you're like. I mean that's not. I don't. I don't think that's a bad price for a completely no. hand painted custom model at all. But wow, no, not at all. Yeah, cracky. Yeah, they've done a they've done a great job over the last gosh year, especially like mm. adding oh. so many customizations and things to it. I mean, their website oh. is gorgeous. I haven't. I haven't uh, looked at their website in probably a couple of years. Do they do sci-fi? I, they do actually. They've added. That's what they've been doing. They've been constantly expanding. Yeah, um, and okay. I believe they have Sci-Fi now, and I mean, you can you could design it right there on the website and just yeah. use that to help oh. you make your character on your sheet um, at home. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you could just you could use it just to create a picture if that's all you could do. Yeah. And I think uh, they uh, I think they sell files. Yeah, they sell files yeah. too, so you can yeah. actually create it online. Then they'll use their software and expertise and whatnot to give you a file to print it at your own home. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, Monty Cook Games. Let's talk about Monty Cook Games for a moment. Because they've announced what their next Kickstarter is going to be. Because you know they do two a year. Was it the the Numenera or was that already gone? No. That one happened. Yeah, it is uh, Ptolus. So Monty Cook's massive city source book, which he released, oh God, how long ago was it now? Ten years ago? Longer than ten years ago. 2006, here we go. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first one, the first big source book by a third party, wasn't it? You know, I think he even kickstarted it. And again, it's definitely the only one. What six hundred and seventy pages? I think. I think this is before Kickstarter, two thousand and six. Uh, it might have pre. Uh, I'm not sure. Or but some it, it sort of crowdfunding process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. Fourteen uh, years this year. Goodness. Yeah, so it's a giant fantasy city. It's basically uh, based on his home campaign over the years. Uh, and uh, it was probably one of the most prestige products at the time. It was a big old book. I've got a copy upstairs. It's a big, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. They totally sold out at the time. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, <coughs> since then, you've been able to get it as print-on-demand, but print-on-demand doesn't go up that big, so you had to get it in a two-back format, a uh, two-book format. Oh. And, of course, that doesn't have the things like the ribbons and all that sort of mm. stuff, which the, uh, which the original has. So it's nowhere yeah. near as nice. Nowhere near as nice. Yeah. Um, so this is being released uh, on... Kit- well, they're launching the Kickstarter in February. Uh-huh. And uh, as you know, Monty Cook Games pretty much always does about half a million on a Kickstarter. Uh-huh. And they do two of those a year. So they're kind of guaranteed a million dollars a year, which would be nice. <laughs> I wouldn't be unhappy. Yeah, I wouldn't, yeah. I would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't frown at that. That's, that's, oh, what, yes, that's one company that has mastered the art of the Kickstarter. And basically your business model is two Kickstarters a year done really, really, really well. Yeah, just knock out a 670-page book two times a year, and bish bosh, you can, yeah. you can have your million dollars. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? Well, they're doing two I'm versions good. for this, one for 5e and one for Cypher System. Yes, makes sense. I'm sure it'll, I'm sure it'll do half a million easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. Easily. And, you know, they're, they're a company that always, you know, they've got a really good reputation for delivering on their Kickstarters on time, high mm. quality, meeting all the stretch. You know, they're not they're not one of those companies that you're still waiting for stuff three years later. When you're backing, you, oh, know, you know you're going to get it. Right, yeah. actually, I think I just got an update from them a day or two or three ago about the Kickstarter, the 5e Kickstarter that they did that is mm. actually mm-hmm. starting to deliver. Yeah. Like, files are going out pretty soon or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, you know, Monty and um, Shanna and everybody else over there. What, Bruce? Bruce Cordell's over there, too, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, Sean, Sean K. Reynolds, I think he's working with Sean Reynolds is, yeah. They've, yeah. they've got all, they've got so many of the great, great, great writers from um, 3.5 and mm. 3. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, they have a great team, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of them go back together a long way. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. Bruce, Bruce um, Cordell and uh, Monty Cook are childhood friends. So, you know, they've oh, known, wow. known yeah. each other all their lives. So it was kind of natural that they'd end up working together. Right. But yeah, I, I, I don't know what that sort of thing is going to be priced at, though. That's going to be one of those premium Kickstarters, I think. It's not going to be, cool. it's, it's not going to be, it's, it's, it's not going to be, you know, $25 for the book, is it? It's going to be it's close going to, to 100 figures yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No, I think 120 yeah. I wouldn't be. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be I mean, shocked for, if the, yeah that like leather bound with um like bookmarks and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's going to be it's going to be a really premium product. Yeah, you can expect to pay for that. Yeah, that, I, that's I, my guess. Maybe they can bring it in cheaper. I don't know. I think I think I they're would, right. I, no, no, I don't I think would, they will do it cheaper. They, I mean, they do do yeah. premium Kickstarters, don't they? Invisible Sun and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. They've done. They're uh-huh. not, they don't shy away from that. No, no. I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if the PDF is seventy five bucks. 50, 75 bucks. I mean, that's only yeah. 10 cents a page. And that's yeah, yeah. that's super cheap, actually. That's I mean, you can't make it for that. Um, yeah. And you've got to the, the artist as well. Exactly, yeah. And, and yeah. their art is amazing. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, gosh, I bet that book, if it's 700 pages, I mean, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked Just with it. I wonder several, how much new art they'll be, though, because obviously they already have tons and tons of art from the original. Mm-hmm. Whether they'll be reusing that or whether they're doing brand new. I don't know. Maybe a combo of the both. Because you'd expect with a new thing, you're going to get some extra material. That tends to be what tends to happen with that sort of thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Right. Don't know. We'll see, I guess. Well, I don't know. I'd expect more of a straight reprint, to be honest. But Oh, maybe. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Well, uh, when is the Kickstarter being announced? Uh, in It's in February. don't know what date exactly. Well, let me sure. have a look when it gets closer. Yeah. I mean, you can sign up to get notified. Yes. Right. Talking of signing up to get notified of a Kickstarter... Oh, smooth segue. I know. <laughs> I've, I've been reading this book, How to Segway from One Topic to Another. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, I'm doing that too with my next Kickstarter. Oh, really? Uh, so well, sure, our next Kickstarter is going to be Adventures in Zeitgeist. Ah, yes. Uh, so the Zeitgeist Adventure Path, which came oh. out, must be 2011, I want to say. Oh. Quite a while ago. Quite a while back. Yeah. Um, we are making a big, gorgeous, full-color, hardcover setting book for it for 5th edition. Oh. And it's going to be yes. absolutely gorgeous. That's going to be called Adventures in Zeitgeist, and we'll be launching the Kickstarter later this year. And at the moment, if you go to enworld.org um, forward slash zeitgeist.html, you can sign up and get notified when that Kickstarter launches. And that has been written by Ryan Nock, who did the original Adventure Path, and a couple of other yes. people. And it's going to be lovely. Very cool. Yeah, I remember those. Those are. I remember those popping up. When they did, those are really cool. That's really neat too. It's because it's a nice, um, it's a nice departure from some of the other stuff that you see out there. What I always especially, like about it, is especially at the time, it's unapologetically aimed. Uh, the adventure path was unapologetically aimed at the sort of experience advanced um, dungeon master, because cool. uh, there's a lot of stuff out there for you know new new GMs Begins, yeah. and, uh, and stuff like that. But there isn't an awful lot out there that specifically said, right, you know what you're doing. You've been doing this for a while. Well, this is going to stretch you. This is going to challenge you because there's a lot of uh, NPCs and plot intrigue and motivations. And this is going to be, you know, this is, this, you have to bring your best game to run this. And if you do, Absolutely. the rewards are amazing. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you bring your best game and you run this well, then, you know, the outcome is just a fantastic adventure path. A, 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 you know, a, a memory that you'll never stop remembering. <laughs> <laughs> an indelible memory an experience you won't forget was the phrase I was trying to go campaign, for and yeah. I don't know where I went and forgettable <laughs> might be a word that you might use I don't know <laughs> tell me it's words for living again is that, is that yeah. I was just thinking would you, that would you believe I'm writing a novel at the moment <laughs> you already used all the words today yeah yeah uh, yeah. I have, a, I have a limited number of words <laughs> absolutely I know that feeling oh, oh dear Anything else in the news? Uh, yes! Onyx Path have announced something. Yes. Okay. They kickstarted something called They Came From Beneath the Sea a while back. That is a strong name. Yep. Um, they have now announced They Came From Beyond the Grave. Uh, this is a sort of B-movie theme. Uh, draws yes. some like um, 60s and 70s horror films. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it says it encompasses the horror sex Ooh. Suspense and ham of early 60s through late 70s horror movie designed to evoke everything dramatic and theatrical of the classics of Hammer, Amicus, and Roger Corman libraries. Mm. That's a trick. Yeah, it's scheduled for 2021 following the success of a Kickstarter. Mm. And it will be using the Story Path system. Okay. Not I've, familiar with that one. I'm, I've not played it either, but um, cool. the Trinity Continuum RPG and the Skyon Second Edition RPG. Skyon, use it. yes. So. Yeah. Okay. So, handful of D10s, sounds like. Yeah. Which seems legit. I believe you. Uh, right. <laughs> Let's look at Daryl's News Digest and then we'll probably be done. Uh, da -da -da -da. Egg Embry interviewed some guy called Matt Corley about some project or other. Don't know what that's about. Sounds familiar. <laughs> you, you, you heard of him, Matt? I mean... <laughs> nah, not really. <laughs> oh, Pathfinder. Oh, Joe Manganiello, whose name I can now pronounce. 
Manganello. <laughs> is it is it G or is it? I think it's Manganello. Oh, Man Janello. Okay. I think so. Joe Man Joe Manganello. I, I almost sat next to him to play a rap and at uh, so close. at gamehole.com or dot com dot com at gameholecon. Um or no Gary Con. Gary Con. Then you were reminded ago. about the court order and <laughs> I know that was that was cold. Um, he was unable to make it. He actually had the seat. My friend and I were there, and yeah. we uh-huh. we we purposely sat one seat apart, and it was yeah. the only uh, seat left because we wanted we wanted Joe to sit good. between us and hang out and play the game with us. Um, Luke uh, Luke was there. Luke Igax was there. It was a really yeah. fun game, actually. Rapid ethic using OSR rules. So yeah. of course we all died yeah. like seven times in about three seconds. Mm. Um, that, that's, that's my that's my fame. I almost sat next to Joe Manganiello. <laughs> well, so I did see him walk past me once, though. I think yeah. it's safe to say he'll probably never hear me try to mangle his name. So, <laughs> <laughs> so mangled Nemo. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe best, maybe yeah. one day I will I will meet him and he can tell me how to how to pronounce his name, but it's unlikely. Maybe someone will tell you how to pronounce his name and you'll remember it. Uh, and that seems deeply unlikely. That seems deeply unlikely also, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, I was just saying that he visited the uh, UPMC Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh to Ooh. bring the patients there the magic of Dungeons & Dragons. Oh. So it was him and his brother Nick. They sat down with some patients, taught, uh, taught them D&D, ran an adventure okay. for them, then donated several carts of you know starter sets and dice and other bits and pieces. Oh, I, thought was, I thought that was nice. Yeah, so yeah, so I actually think we talked about that because Joe did that last year mm. at this time also. I mean, he does it regularly because yeah. that was actually one of the stories that popped up on my feed of all my random stuff when I was sitting in the hospital with mm. Harper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was one of the things that really got us moving forward with Harper's Tale was seeing Joe do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's it, by all accounts he's a pretty pretty awesome dude. So um, everyone, everyone I've spoken to who has met him has said he's really really nice. Yep, that's what I heard too. Hmm. Nice, and he probably so he probably wouldn't be he probably wouldn't be upset if you mangled his name. He's probably used Probably, to it. I'm sure he's, he's used a, to it. but he's a big dude. He's I mean I'm six five. He's mm-hmm. my height. Yeah, and he is not a little man. He's, yeah, he's a big guy, so hopefully he's okay with it. I hope he doesn't get upset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he is. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm three thousand miles away. That'll help. <laughs> we call this New Zealand defence. Just a long way away from everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Uh, last thing, we got a Paizo product update for January. Uh, so this month in January, we're going to see the release of the Pathfinder yeah. Lost Omens Gods and Magic book. Yeah. The continuation of the Starfinder Attack of the Swarm adventure path mm-hmm. and the start of a brand new Pathfinder adventure path called the Extinction Curse. Is that Pathfinder the second edition? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're not oh, publishing first, first edition anymore, as far as I know. No, no. Oh, no, that's fine. Also, if you are in the UK and I think maybe Australia, I'm not sure where, but that Starfinder Alexa skill now works. Oh, yeah, okay. Does it? Yes. Oh, so the next we'll time, the next time we haven't got a guest on, we'll do that, Peter. We'll uh, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> we'll do yes. it. We'll do it on the podcast. And what could possibly go wrong? Uh, we'll put the we'll put the it. we'll put Alexa down on the on the table next to the microphone. Don't and, uh, invoke her name, you fool. <laughs> uh, she, doesn't, she doesn't seem to have reacted. Oh, she's recording. So this is being recorded probably five or six different times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I hear, it's about a half hour adventure. 
So we could probably yeah. play through the entire thing on the podcast. Yeah, that'd be a laugh. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And I think that's it for the news. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Yeah, okay. Let's, do, let's, do one, let's just do one each then, yeah? Just one each. All right, yeah, go yeah, for it. Okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, do you want to go first, Peter? Yeah, go on. Okay. Yours is... What is... Yeah. Destiny or Aurora? Oh, is there a colon in there? No. Just Destiny or oh. Aurora. Well, I'm, I'm just completely flummoxed at this point. Uh, like, because I know what Destiny means, I know what Aurora means. Put them together. Sounds cool. Uh, ba, 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 ba. There's a computer game, which I think has role playing elements called Destiny, uh, but that's probably not it. Let's say it's a science fiction setting. Um, and it can be about. Yeah, so I'm thinking some sort of vaguely utopian far-flung sci-fi future um, and it's going to... I'm, I'm picturing lots of chrome everywhere because nothing says far-flung utopia like chrome. I've got sort of a... Ooh, like a vaguely 1980s aesthetic to it in some respects as well. Yeah, and what is it? Destiny Aurora. It is... Oh, I don't know. I don't know what the big science fiction... Set it set systems are actually. It's not Traveller. Um, I'm a bit stumped to be honest. I think uh, say say a source book for, or like a core book for like an exciting sci-fi role-playing game. Hmm. So what this is, I think you yes. s- if you're playing tennis, yes. you just scored fifteen. <laughs> it's fifteen love. You just scored fifteen. That's the scoring system we're using today. We're using the tennis scoring system. Assuming I can um, remember how tennis works. <laughs> so, <small deception. laughs> uh, it's a Starfinder campaign setting. Oh, okay, yes. Oh, uh, okay. Create your Oh, that's the big sci-fi. Yes. Ah. <laughs> so create your own ship crew and adventures. Uh, yes. uh, Destiny Aurora is the story of Jace Carver, an inspector in the Coalition ranks, as he tracks the assassin Cunlaw Thorne, the man who murdered his senatorial wife. While Jace was tasked with protecting her. After spending five years searching the cosmos, Jace was pinned with a reputation for being an alcoholic on the edge of sanity. Hmm. Only crew members who were marked as undesirable were assigned to the Aurora. Their investigations take them throughout the galaxy, interacting with myriad races and people on both sides of the law. Alrighty. There we go. Crumb, lots of crumb. It kind of look at looking at the uh, cover art. It looks a little bit like a sort of eighties cartoon to me. Eighties yes. aesthetic. Yeah. House. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you got thirty. I think you got more than fifteen. I think you we could go thirty. Yeah, because sci-fi eighties oh, aesthetic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thirty love. The score is thirty love. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next set. Uh, I hope that's you what, don't have cause to regret your that's, generosity. That's, that's, what they, that's, what, <laughs> that's what they do in tennis, isn't it? They have sets. Is that right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Next set. Yeah, I'm sure it's sets. All right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, is, what is this then? What is this, Matt, for you? Okay. Blood floats in space. Wait, what is that again? Blood floats in space. Oh, blood floats in space. Mm. Well, I think it's got to be um, 
obviously, again, it's in space, so science fiction-y, blood, so we're going horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, feels OSR to me. Um, right now, actually, and I is uh, I'm, I'm feeling Mothership as the game system. Mothership is is the part they beat me at um, an inning um, for best cartography. <laughs> Damn um, them! them. They are they have some really really neat looking products, by the way, though, um, including they actually knocked me off top five, top one spot for number for five and under. Also, so yeah, they're they're my arch rival. Um, Do they know this? They. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best kind. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling horror in space, OSR, probably an adventure. It's almost exactly that. It is Mothership. Oh, nice. (laughs) Obviously, they're on my mind. Yeah. Way too Uh, much. It is is horror in space. It's a third-party supplement for the Mothership RPG. It's a setting rather than an adventure. It's the only thing you've got wrong. Oh, okay. Other than that, perfect. Yeah, um, Mothership is really neat, by the way. Yeah, if anybody sees their stuff, they're very um, affordable. They have a they have a different, a kind of an interesting business model where they do adventures on mm-hmm. Kickstarter that are like five bucks mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah, and then they throw them on drive through afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, but they get thousands of people. Yeah, to back them. I mean, they are they are they are excellent. Actually, their layout is great. They're really kind of a really neat um, a really neat set of folks to to check out sometime. Hmm. Well, I think the score there is 45-30. Is that a valid tennis score? No. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No? No, I think it's, I think it's 40. It's 15-30-40 yes. set, game, whatever. Right? Uh, oh, I don't know. It makes why, sense. Why did I start so. this tennis? I think analysis. the answer is Matt beat Peter by one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got it spot Golf clap. Golf clap. Golf clap. You got it spot Tennis on. clap. Uh, it tennis contains clap. new classes, new rules for psychic characters, and a new campaign setting. Uh, the new classes are the Juggernaut and the Psychic, and mm. there are four new deities, new rules for psychic powers, a new mothership character sheet, and it's a 5 by 8 booklet with a full colour and a 32-page black and white interior. Mm. Nice. Very cool. It's lovely. Well, there we go. I think we can declare Matt the winner there. Edged yes, it. We'll edged it. We'll edged it. Yes. Right, today we're playing some old school D&D. Oh, great. We'll play it like the creators intended. I mean, really old school. Yeah, that's fine. I'm looking forward to it. It might be more old school than you like. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure it will be a wonderful experience. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. I didn't warn you? I said, don't say it. Oh, sorry. Right then, so you are outside a dungeon. There's a door going into the darkness. Oh, I'm getting shivers down my spine already. So, what do you do? Guess I go into the dungeon. Ha! A block of stone falls on your head, crushing you. You're dead. What? I said, a block of stone falls on your head, crushing you. You're dead. I heard what you said. It was an expression of disbelief, not an admission that I'm hard of hearing. Okay, okay. Do you want to try again? Okay. I have this wizard here. Magic user? Yes. And he will check the door for traps. You check the door for traps. And a block of stone falls on your head, crushing you. You're dead. You're joking, right? I told you it was old school. I don't think you fully understand what old school means. Another try? Fine. Uh, Okay. How about I try a rope? Thief. Whatever. Okay. Check for traps. You find a trap! Is it a block of stone trap? By any chance? No, no. Well, yes. Yes, it is. 
Fergusa. Right. Well, I'll disarm it. Okay, roll 3d6. Okay, uh, 12. Hmm, uh, and, uh, and again. Again? Okay. Nine. Okay, and, uh, roll, roll again. Really? Okay, right, uh, 15. Hmm, okay, and, uh, and again. I'm rolling a new character, aren't I? Yep. A block of stone fell on your head, crushing you. You're dead. Hmm. You know, old school doesn't mean insta-kill. It's more a feeling, an atmosphere, a simplicity and a sense of the unknown. It emphasises player agency over character abilities and exploration over storytelling. It empowers GMs and de-emphasises arbitrary game balance. It tests player skill and ingenuity. I don't really get what you're trying to say. Clearly. Look, is there any more to this adventure than a block which falls in your head? Module? What? It's not an adventure, it's a module. Okay, but is there any more to it? Well, there's a bottomless pit trap, a room with an ancient red dragon in it, a pool which has a 50-50 chance of killing you or making you 20th level, and a kobold. A kobold? It's a very nice kobold. Now we can talk about Whispers this exciting new product. Dark. Yes. Hmm. Okay, do we have to switch the lights off? Yes, and we do have to whisper. <laughs> Everybody turn your volume down. So when I... I've, 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 we've, <laughs> They've already done that. <laughs> we've had a chance to have a look at the quick start, because obviously the full game is... Yeah. Uh, is it coming to Kickstarter later? Oh. Well, we have a different couple different ideas on that, actually. So the quick start, obviously, is already out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's four ninety nine at drive through RPG. We're going to leave it there for a little bit longer. Um, you know, it's 80 pages. Like, well, I guess it's 70... Pa- I'm looking at the table of contents. So seventy four pages. Yeah. Um, so it'll be a little more than four ninety nine, probably eight ninety nine, nine ninety nine, um, in about a week or two. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so for the Kickstarter though, we're kind of going back and forth, and my next Kickstarter is actually going to be a supplement to this, right? Um, that will not be the core book. However, it's going to be kind of really neat, and I'm pretty excited about it. Um, so one of the things that Saturday Morning Scenarios, which is my company, is what we're doing now is we are going to, of course, focus on 5e rules. However, we're going to typically do games that are more similar in structure um, to Whispers, which is we're going to do cl- games that do not have classes. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to be using Investigative. Uh, mystery type games more if it's uh, depending on who the audience is it'll be horror um, we'll do games for kids as well like younger kids you know like my daughters um, or you know just people who don't like horror but do like mysteries mm-hmm. um, so but anyway the next Kickstarter is probably going to be announced well I guess apparently I'm announcing it now um, <laughs> exclusive woo! scoop Yes, this is exclusive scoop. So I have actually um, sent out a contract and I'm writing a novella with Sarah Tantlinger, mm-hmm. um, who is a Bram Stoker award winning author, which is Bram Stoker's are the big horror, or, mm-hmm. horror yeah, awards. So her and I are doing a novella together and then we are going to use that novella to tie into a source books kind of mini campaign. Mm. So you'll have a really neat, pretty high like prestige um hardcover novella and then also the rpg that the adventure picks up where the novella ends mm. stops so it's gonna be, i'm pretty excited about it actually and it's called yeah. the devil's city um and i might as well give a little extra information it's actually going to be in chicago okay so 
Whispers in the Dark as a setting right now is kind of late 1800s. Mm. Mm. Um, the Adventure of the Crow Man happens in 1875 in New Orleans. Yes. This one, The Devil City, The Adventure, will actually be in 1893-ish in Chicago. Mm. Uh, we've kind of, um, we kind of jumped way ahead there a little bit. We, we did, I know. I can't stop. What Whispers in the Dark is yet. So, yeah. so let's stop. They, yeah, let's, 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 give, let's give them a contact what happens. This, for, this, for this detail. <laughs> you asked <laughs> you ask about the Kickstarter. You know, I know you're expecting a totally different answer. Start at, but... start at the beginning, yes. <laughs> yeah, so no. Whispers in the Dark, um, as best I can make out, looking at the, the, the quick start, is basically it's Call of Cthulhu using the yeah. D&D 5th edition rules. I think that is... Uh, that's that's a pretty fair explanation, and so I, you know, I'm I'm friends with Sandy Peterson. Mm. Um, I work for Sandy Peterson <laughs> regularly, yeah. Uh, often, actually, um, you know, Mike Mason. I've I've worked for Chaosium once before. Um, Call of Cthulhu is an amazing system, yeah, and it's a D D100 system, mm-hmm. and really the impetus of this is again, kind of we talked about this. I think once before, my first book was Lamp's Light Sanitarium, and I had a bunch of friends that I played. D&D with who wanted something different but did not want to ro- learn a new rule system. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's a very, very common is, you know, I know you guys know how to play a lot of rule systems. I know how to play a fair amount too. But if you know only one system, chances are it's D&D. Mm. I think we've established that, especially with the way the critical role is now. And so the goal was initially a couple of years ago was for me to start writing games and adventures that leveraged again use that D rule system or at least enough of it that you knew kind of how to play mm. um without having learned something new but again made the setting completely different mm. you know monty cook's book of uh, the d20 book of coz from that was at least 10 years ago now i have a hard copy for behind the, me somewhere that, I, think, yeah, yeah. I feel like maybe even 15 um is a little it's definitely an inspiration but you know you'll definitely see this is very much a 5e game mm. um yeah. it's we use ancestries instead of like races um uh-huh. we use backgrounds in the same way we have or i will have a brand new alignment system that i wrote that's mm-hmm. going to be in a subsequent book but you use feats skill checks or d20s um expertise i mean again when you see a character sheet you'll know exactly how to play yeah. if you know how to play D&D. You know, it won't say cleric, it'll say antiquarian. Or, you know, it won't say fighter, it'll say detective. But yeah. Yeah. you will know exactly how to play this game if you know how to play D&D. And that, that's what's really, really important to me um, and to M- M.T. Black, who helped me with it a lot. Mm. Um, and again, that's kind of what we did, and it, it does. It, the only other big rules difference, again, we took away classes, but that's honestly just... You basically just delete it. I mean, and then you just do a little bit of changes. Otherwise, it's not a big rules change. We did add the sanity mechanics that I wrote mm-hmm. uh, last year for Lamp's Light, which add a lot of role-playing elements and some mechanic elements to sanity and madness so that you have a game that, again, it, you have consequences from game to game to game, things that can't go away with an eight-hour rest. You know, right now in D&D, an eight-hour rest fixes almost everything. In the Whispers and the Dark games and our kind of our universe, uh, an eight-hour rest is certainly helpful, but it's not going to fix sanity damage, and we actually even change. A short rest in Whispers is actually a day, mm. oh. and a long rest is a week. So, again, we just made kind of little tweaks to, again, kind of adjust it and make it a little bit differently. Yeah. So, But it's, again, the mechanics, the core mechanics, you'll know how to play it if you know how to yeah. play D&D immediately. So oh, I, I, I felt confident that I'd be able to pick it up and run with it straight away, to 
be honest. Yeah. So how does it work sorry, without sorry. the classes? Because you've got feats, more feats instead of classes. Yeah. How does how does that work? Right. So um, on the book itself, so we actually get it's very straightforward. It's actually I. I I hate to use the rule, the, the you know the term rules light, mm. but it kind yeah. of is actually. So there is one table, yeah, you know, the proficiency yeah. bonus and features table on page ten mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. those for those looking along, um, <laughs> and that's you know that table replaces the table that you see in every class, and you get one new skill and you get languages yeah. at your first level. At second level, you get an ability score. At third, you get expertise, then a new feat, then you get a new tool. And again, it goes that way. We have only 10 levels there. We may go up higher, mm. but my initial inclination is actually to stop at level 10. Yeah. Um, yeah because again, that's kind of our setting. And so again, it's going to feel exactly the same. And so when you get to the feats though, and that's when you can start to move and kind of see some things that are different. Like, you know, we have catch wrestler, which is Obviously, yeah. a real thing, and it's actually from England. Um, 1800s is a big, big thing with Snake Pit and a few other areas um, of the wrestling clubs. And that's where you'll get, like, you know, you get better at grappling, or maybe you're an ardent scholar, or a persuasive zealot, um, or a whimpering minion, which is one of my favorites. Um, and so that's where you're going to start to really differentiate your character from other characters. So it sounds and like so you got a lot of getting rid of classes, you've sort of gone to one class. And then Correct. allow that's, that class that's, to be customized through fees. True. That's that's a good way to look yeah. at it too. Um, and then backgrounds now are more important, obviously, because again, that's, that's that, in this case, backgrounds are your job, mm-hmm. which is probably familiar to a lot of folks that don't play D and D because it's not a new concept. And so, when you get an antiquarium, you get you know arcana history and another one that you want. You get simple weapon proficiency. So again, backgrounds kind of take. Yeah. We did. We kind of pulled what was a class and spread it out between your backgrounds and your feats. Mm. Yeah. So, can we talk about the madness rules for a little bit? The sanity rules? Yeah. Because uh, I yeah. was looking through those this morning. I mean, that's not that's quite reminiscent of Call of Cthulhu as well, in that you make you make these sanity checks when something happens, when the GM decides that you've yeah. seen something horrific enough to do so. And if you fail right. the check, your sanity score is decreased. And when your sanity score reaches certain things you start uh, taking on insanities and madnesses of uh, severity. Actually, that is something on the character sheet in the back. Like when you take, what's it, enough damage, enough sanity damage to take off half, mm-hmm. then it means it's a more permanent effect. It Correct. might be worth having like a little space on the character sheet to oh, like, yeah, well, make yep. a note of that. Yeah, yeah. In a similar fashion to what they have on Call of Cthulhu, and that, that would be a helpful reminder for people who aren't familiar with the COC rule set. Right. No, that's a great idea. Um, so so sanity is a little... It, so it is. It, it, there are definitely some inspiration from uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, your sanity score is your wisdom... I'm sorry, is your charisma score mm-hmm. plus uh-huh. your wisdom. Uh, plus your wisdom modifier. Yes. So yeah. you can go all the way up to 25. And I think that's funny. It's it's interesting for those of us who have been playing for a really long time because we still think of wisdom as willpower, mm. um, even though it's totally not anymore. <laughs> now it's charisma is. Um, so we use that. And when you do it, we did simplify things again, or I did, because these are rules I wrote about two years ago, actually. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you lose a sanity check. Instead of you see a deep one, you lose one or D4. Or if you see Cthulhu, you see you lose 
20 or D100 or, you know, instead of that, it's basically a D4 always. Mm -hmm. So that's a little simpler. Um, we did, or I did add a, um, extra type of madness. So there's transient insanity, mm -hmm. short term, long term, and indefinite. So there's only three in regular D&D. &D, mm -hmm. And this is, again, gives a little more nuances. So, you know, transient is basically, um, it's an encounter, you know, it's until you go mm -hmm. to the end of an encounter, which I know fourth edition, I think had that stuff and some other games do too. Yeah. Yeah. Short term goes until you actually get to rest and gather your wits. Long term again is basically down between sessions and indefinite is obviously forever. Um, mm. So a little more nuance there. Um, yeah. Probably what I'm most excited about and what I've seen a lot of gotten the best feedback though, are actually the tables, the, Tables in the quick start guide are a little bit truncated um, than what I have in Lampslight yeah. just because of space. But we get a lot of examples. And so, like, there's, I don't know, six or seven examples. No, there's 12 um, for a transient and a short term. And so you can roll or you can choose. And I always, you know, anytime I make a table for any game at all, it's always roll or choose. No matter what I actually say, that's what I really mean. But it's got two things. It'll say kind of a narrative effect and then potentially a mechanical effect. So in one of these is, you know, the character, the, the narrative effect is the character fall prones, curls up inward on herself. She makes herself as small as possible, rocking gently with her eyes closed. Yeah. So that's, that's the narrative effect. And if you don't want to do mechanics, that's what you kind of say your character's mm -hmm. doing. If you want mechanics, you add that the character's prone and they're incapacitated until the beginning of their next turn. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have two options there. So again, I know a lot of folks love the mechanics and need it. And I also know a lot of folks that role play strong enough that you don't actually have to tell them that you're prone. They'll, yeah. they'll, yeah. they'll assume That's that fair. and they'll do that. So you have both options. Um, and most of them are bad, of course, but not all of them. You know, every once in a while, you've got one that puts you so on edge that you actually get a, an initiative. I saw bonus. that one, yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so generally they're not too for awesome, but every once in a while there's a bonus. And then, so that's more of a transient one. But when you get long term indefinite, that's when it kind of gets interesting too, is where when you end a stressful encounter, a stressful situation, it elicits a check mm. just mm -hmm. from being in stress because you have that, that kind of going on in the background. So some of them have a persistent effects, like, you know, you always, again, like, you know, one is uh, the character has panic attacks and is overwhelmed with feelings of helplessness and loses all hope. So you have a persistent effect in that one. That is, you have a penalty, a permanent minus two penalty to initiatives and fear saves. Mm -hmm. But other ones have an acute effect that goes away after a round and then stays persistent. Again, it kind of, it goes all over the place. It kind of, you know, there's a lot of options there mm -hmm. and... You know, I, I am a pharmacist in my day job. I've worked mm -hmm. in psychiatry. I've done rotations and education specifically in psychiatry. Um, and so some of these things, and of course, we all deal with these things our own, in our own lives too. And so a lot of these yeah. are intended to be very respectful of the situations that people do in real life, but also to kind of get, it, get that point across in a game in a way that, again, it's kind of impactful, it's respectful, but it also doesn't diminish you know, the things that we have yeah. to go through that, yeah. that we go through in real life uh, again. And so I've had a few really kind of comments that I appreciated from folks offline saying, yeah, you know what, this actually, this is not, this is a fairly good representation of actually how yeah. I feel. I mean, it is, is you know, you're going to be careful not to trivialize what the reader exactly. might be actually experiencing and try, you yeah. know. I, I was going to say, actually, I'm really glad that you didn't put like, a clinical descriptor because I've seen that in some older games mm -hmm. it's got things like they, they use jargon words which are actually people's actual conditions and when they got it wrong as well it's just 
so stigmatizing and nasty. Yeah. So yeah, I was going to say, good work on that. But you told Thank us you. a bit about your background, and that makes a lot more sense now. So yeah, no, that, I, yeah, I had I, I was on a, a podcast when I did Lamps Light, and a couple of the the, the folks on there basically says, and that actually honestly that made me feel great. I mean, I really appreciated that. I was able to get it across to them, to a large audience in a way that was respectful and not stigmatizing at all. Um, I mean, actually in Lamp's Light, I know we're not talking about that one, but that one's my my hardcover, my first one. I actually, the first page of it, we actually put phone numbers for folks that need help mm. all over the country, actually all over the world, actually, um, because that's, that's, you know, that's really, really important to me, especially in a horror game where, you know, for some people, these can be triggering. Uh, and I would never, ever want, you know, someone to look at or read something or be involved in a game or anything that I'm involved with and have, have a bad experience right, like yeah, that. Yeah. Had you considered using things like the X cards on making that part of the running device for the... Yeah, absolutely. So I talked about that on a podcast that I was running briefly, um, with Will Jones. And I think that's something we'll definitely do in the core book, which will again, mm. get done at some point. Um, and by some point, I mean the next year, but you know, different ways to run a horror game. You know, I think the biggest one for me with any kind of, honestly, any game, but a horror game, especially is just making sure there's a consent across the table and that everybody understands the game. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, we all have different um, levels of comfort with different things. And if you know that and respect that, it should be, it should be a good experience. So D and D is, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a fantasy heroic rule set and it leans it, you know it lends itself to sort of fantasy heroic situations how do you mitigate that when doing uh, uh when you want to sort of bring up horror and make things feel more tense and more dangerous right so I, i've been lucky enough to get a fair amount of experience so obviously D is heroic fantasy i've written a fair amount of that um then for sandy at peterson games i've written i just finished my second ap with them so 30 games. Good God, that was a lot of work. Um, but, um, but that's heroic horror or kind of a, in, and Lampslight was gothic horror. And this is an now again, we're kind of progressing through it. And so, you know, MT and I talked about this a lot and with heroic, I'm sorry, with uh, investigative horror, there are a couple of things we did. One is we added the long-term consequences, which are the sanity madness rules. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's probably one of the bigger things. Mechan- Actually, that's the biggest mechanical difference right. um, of the two. The other thing we did, too, is with the rules themselves, the only other big change we actually made is that there is, you are a D6, period. Yes. That's it. There, there's no D8s. There's no, I mean, I guess we haven't done fours in a long time, but there's no eights, tens, or twelves. It's yeah. your, everybody is a D6. Mm-hmm. So a second level character is very likely to have single digits. Yeah, so characters, just, so characters just generally a bit more fragile than there would be in a standard D&D game. Absolutely. You don't have armor. Yeah. yeah. And you don't have weapons. Um, so that's the way it is. And I, I explore that in Lampslide, and I'll put it in the bigger book for this one, too. Is like, you know, you're not walking around in a suit of chainmail. Um, or a suit of plate. Uh, you don't have a claymore on your back. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's something that was really interesting. We had 70 folks play test this, had fantastic play testing experience um, and feedback. But that was, again, we kind of made a comment or I made sure that I put a big sidebar in the front of the adventure that the folks, again, understand this is not, mm-hmm. it's not D&D. You know, and I, I think yeah. that's, I, I use that term and I say D&D a lot in our Twitter and all that stuff because that's the term everybody knows, but it's 
it's really it's five ESRD. Yeah. To be perfect yeah. on it. It's OGL, which for the folks that yeah. know what that means, they know what that means. So that was it mechanically. But I think the other one, and I talked about this a little bit, I think, with Egg, was that it, it really is the writing and the designing is enormously important mm. when getting that because, you know, in, in the adventure, there's really only you could have, I think, three or four combat encounters. You kind of have to have one, mm. but you really only have to have one. Um and from a CR perspective, which I'll probably end up adjusting what that really means in the core book, but yeah. you know the 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 final final encounter is easily lethal. Mm. And again, oh, yeah. that's a design decision, and that's yeah. where you get it. You know, I think Savage Worlds does a good job where they don't really have levels. And if you play a Savage Worlds uh, adventure, you'll see that the characters can really easily get themselves in over their heads mm. that fast yeah. and. Call of Cthulhu is that way. A lot of games are that way, and just D and D isn't. You know, D and D has never been that way. Yeah, um, it's always been broken down by levels. So again, that's the other one is making sure that the designers and writers understand that you put people in situations in which the actual only the best choice is to run away. Yeah. So you know, the sort of like uh, an average D and D character will almost certainly have a score close to twenty in their primary attribute. Almost without fail. Um, right. does, does the sort of attribute range or the ability score range, is it, is it a slightly lower expected <laughs> range of scores? That, or is yeah, we are, yeah, so at this point, yes. Actually, we did not change the standard array. But, again, the, the iteration we have now, which I, I don't see a reason why we'll switch it, is just goes up to level 10. Right. Yeah. And that's where you get it. So with the fact that you can get two ability score increases by the time you're level 10, they're at two and seven. Mm -hmm. Again, you can't go over 20. You could probably get, you can get to 20 at level seven. However, to do that, you're going to have to be, again, you have to kind of decide, are you going to do ability scores or oh, we actually need to decide that? Or do you want to get an extra feat? Mm -hmm. And feats oh. are super important. So there's a lot more kind of nuances there. And it's, you know, I've played characters um, in D&D, especially in Adventure League, that I got up to 18th, 19th level where I had 220s. Mm. Or if you're a fighter, you can have 20s across the board. Um, and even a rogue, actually, for the skills that they care about, or the, the scores they care about anyway. Mm. Um, so we do want... I think it's okay, and I think that you could you could get a 20 in one feet or in one score, but you're not going to get a bunch of them, and it will cost you. Mm. You know, you'll have a, you'll be unbalanced probably because of it. So you're kind of you're kind of voting for stats. So you're kind of incentivizing people not to mm -hmm. maximize the stats as opposed to mechanically right. preventing them. Correct. Yeah. 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 So the magic system, I've looked at the um the quick start and you basically have one page yeah. and you just say, Hey, we're not gonna get into it yet. <laughs> it's too complicated. Correct. That'll be in the core rule book. So are you are you jettisoning the Vancian system from D and D and coming up with something new or, or what's going on there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the the spells and such from D and D will not transfer over right, okay. um, because this is more of a realistic situation. I hate to say it's realistic when I'm like, there's monsters and stuff, but yeah. but there will be some magic. Um, I, I you know I wrote a I wrote a D and or I wrote a magic system for a product that'll be coming out next. I think the Kickstarter will get announced in about four months for a different company. Mm. So I've, I've actually written a couple mag magic systems that are 5e compatible. This will be another one. Um, and magic will be 
more of a plot driver, mm. um, more of a yes. downtime activity. You won't be able to Quick do it. And, yeah, you, you won't be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You won't be. You won't be doing it in the middle of combat. Mm. Yeah. No. Magic missiles not on the cards. Yeah. No, no, it, it's really not. not I mean, yeah. a big, honestly, a big, uh, a big inspiration for me right now is Archive Forty One, which is a great podcast, and Magic in that is really interesting, especially in I think it's the third season where you know you have to gather the blood of a rabbit on the moonlit night of the first day of spring, mm. and you know it, it's yeah. a process. It, it's a plot driver. Um, it's, so a, it. it's the symbolism of the items and components that you're gathering, yes. which determine the power of what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Exactly right. So, like, uh, the Sorcerer's Screed is a actual real book. It's Scandinavian magic, mm. um, which has some really neat, really interesting, just kind of bizarre things out there. Mm. Um, so we will actually be, or I will, if it'll be either I'll be writing it or MT and I will be writing it. We'll uh, we'll definitely take into account more real world type ritualistic kind of things um and again it will look totally different um i will probably have well actually i will i will have one spell in the first adventure that i'll be releasing as just an adventure which will be released in about two months Mm. i'm writing it right now i mean we can talk about that later but there will be one spell in that and that will give you a taste of what magic's really going to look like right Fantastic. So given that you haven't got classes, does that mean that anybody can access magic? or As long as you have the knowledge, as long as you are willing to pay the price Mm. and take the risks, yes. Need the int score, I suspect, and probably a bit of proficiency. We, I'm going to decide on the, yeah, so since we're, it it depends on if we do it as an off, as a downtime. Mm. Uh, Because if it's downtime kind of maybe not mm. i have written one i did write one that had a lot of skill checks involved in it kind of like incantations on pathfinder yeah which yeah. is actually a really neat system mm. so i will have to determine that one but i i want it to be at least you know a, at least one scene in the game at the table where everybody's doing it together mm. um so that it's kind of fun and kind of interesting which means we will probably end up having some skill checks. Maybe you'll have to sacrifice some hit die, you know, fun mm-hmm. stuff like that. Because yeah, so, I think that's the so other there one. Is, so there was, a, there was a cost to it, essentially. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, it'd be a cost. And it might be, it might take you a while to get better. Yeah. That's absolute troping for food, like just yeah. meddling with things that you shouldn't yeah, be meddling with. Especially Correct. if you rope in those sanity rules to do a bit of the lifting there as well. Oh. Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. That could be, exactly. That could be fun. I'm kind of thinking, because we were talking either last week or the week before about systems with which to run. You know that recent Dracula series? Yes. Systems with which to run that. And my my initial suggestion was uh, the new Alien RPG from Free League. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful book. Because they've got got a lovely stress mechanic in there. But I'm I'm kind of feeling that this, this would lend itself pretty well to that kind of that kind of type of horror too. Yeah. yeah, so the sanity mechanic, just the sanity mechanic, is actually available. I threw that on drive-thru. It's the me- sanity uh, mechanic and the NPCs and the items I wrote for Lampslight. Mm-hmm. They are fully 5th edition compatible without any adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like four ninety nine, I think, and it's probably about... Yeah. It's like 80 pages because it's... I mean, I didn't charge yeah. much because it's just basically copying it, taking out a couple chapters. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for anybody that wants the sanity mechanic and see it and, you know, wants to see how it works in 5e with zero changes, because there's a few changes yeah. in the Whispers book, um, yeah. 
that's right there. I've actually licensed it out to one person who's going to be publishing a book later, which if anybody else is hearing it wants to license out my sanity rules, give me a call. I'm happy to do that. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it really, I'm super, I, that's probably the thing, one of the things I've designed that I'm probably the most happy with mm. is how that sanity mechanic works and how it opens up so many different uh, genres and games and yeah. gaming experiences. Oh, it's an, it's an elegantly um, presented subsystem. Yeah, I really like it. Thank you. Um, so, um, is there anything else we wanted to quickly cover before we do that? Well, let me, yeah, let me do a couple of things yep. real fast then. So, yep. The next book, we are going to have a sequel to The Crow Man. The Crow Man is the adventure in The Whispers and the Dark Quick Start. Yeah. It is going to be written by myself and Brian Young. Brian Young is actually a screenwriter on Blindside mm-hmm. or Blind, Blind Spot. I always get it wrong. It's a show on NBC here. Um, so that's kind of one of the big things, too, is that, you know, you heard me mention Sarah earlier. I'm going to be working a lot with established writers and other genres and kind of adjacent industries, you know, horror writers, TV, screenwriting, that sort of stuff, and pulling in them to get us a really, really great story-driven games and supplements um, and adventures, and then, of course, continuing to work with all the great game designers and game writers that I've already worked with as well. Um, So that'll be a different thing for us. You know, that'll. I hope that's a differentiator is, again, like, you know, I'll be bringing in, again, folks like Sarah, uh, Brian, um, John Jans is a guy that I've talked to him. He doesn't have time, but he thinks it's really great. I mean, there's a lot of really good, high quality um, writers out there in other industries that I feel like is untapped. Yeah. And those folks play the game too, or at least they did when they were younger and don't have as much time as they used to, of course. I think we all know that. So yeah. that's, that's what it is. Saturday morning. So again, we have that will be straight to drive through. We will have a Kickstarter in about two months, which will be a Chicago Kickstarter. It'll be a It'll be a book. It'll be like a hardcover size mm-hmm. book plus a novella. If you, yeah. I've already mentioned the name and the setting. So if you do a little Googling, I'm sure you can figure out who will be one of the big characters in that book. After that, we'll do the core book. Mm-hmm. And I do hope to do two, maybe three Kickstarters this year, which is awful wow. for me. My partner is yes. not happy. <laughs> She's no. upset that I'll be using that much time, but I, I really yeah. want to do it because yeah. I've got another philanthropy project too coming. And again, I really want whispers to take off. You know, I, I look at Rob and shadow, the demon Lord and how successful mm-hmm. he was and mothership and a lot of the other folks out yes. there. I feel like we can do, we can pursue quantity and quality, you know, quality like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that would be great. Absolutely. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I don't envy you that though. Three Kickstarters in one year. Ooh. It's going to be tough. I don't think my sanity <laughs> could take that. That's a sanity. Because every time you run a Kickstarter, you do have to make a sanity yep. check. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God, yes. And yes. I lose, I lose, D4 I lose one D4 sword. every time. Yeah. Every morning you wake up and you didn't fund, you have to check. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Well, it has been absolutely wonderful having you on. Thank so you. We will definitely have you back on later. Um, next week, uh, you're not here, are you, Peter? You're off in China, no, no, I believe. I'm a, yes, there's a New Year's celebration with my name. Yeah. So uh, we're going to have our good friend Shane Stacks filling in for you for the next two weeks. Hello, Shane. Do us proud. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good man, is Shane. Uh, Top chart. Yeah, so uh, it's time to wind up, I think. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always. Uh, goodbye from me, Ross. That's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Rollers. And goodbye from me, Matt Corley. Apparently I now have to read this to you. 
This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.